Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. to another installment of the Tales from the Forlorn Dopes. I'm your host, Cyber Smiley. I'm your co-host, Wisdom. Uh, we are very glad to hear to talk to you guys today. Greetings programs, and uh, we've got some exciting stuff. We've, we've got, uh, well, uh, Smiley, why don't you take this one? All right, so we got uh, our new media ambassador from our Talsorian joining us, uh, Dice TTRGB, There's a few letters in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. Never begin good with TTRPG. Dice TTRPG. Would you like some of the coffee? I'm drinking at this point. AKA Robert Barefoot. He is a, had his own channel. He still has his own channel. Uh, which has quite a, a, a bit of a following. Um, he, well, we'll we'll let you introduce yourself, as as it were. All right. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Rob Barefoot. As most of you may know, I'm now the media ambassador for Artalsorian Games. I have been running a YouTube channel based around tabletop gaming that's called STTRPG for uh, almost a year and a half now. Um, I've gotten used to the nickname Dice quite often due to it, but yeah. Normally, name's Rob. Hi, nice to meet you. So <laughs> nice to meet you too, Rob. So we're going to get into a lot of the uh, news that just came out, specifically uh, Phantom Liberty. I think uh, you are a big fan, so we'll, we'll get into that, um, mm -hmm. as well as uh, the DLCs uh, that uh, Artaus Orion has delivered. But first, before we really get into it, we have a little thing called our full auto questionnaire, which is basically we have a short, quick questions for with uh, short, quick answers. Um, oftentimes, the answers get a little longer, but we'll, we'll try to see if we can nail them down real quick. Um, there are no wrong answers. I feel that there is one question that has a wrong answer, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so first question, 2020. 2045 or 2077? 2045. Alright. Favorite cyberpunk role? Ooh. Tech. Nice. Favorite piece of cyberware? Uh, Gang Jazzler. One of my personal favorites, too. Favorite uh, cyberpunk weapon? Hmm. City Hunter. Different. 
Uh, favorite cyberpunk red or 2020 book? Crap. Um, 2020, I'm going to say protect and serve, but for red, I'm going to say danger Gal dossier because that book was nuts. Yes, yes, it was. Least favorite cyberpunk red or 2020 book? Now, why you got me put me on the spot like that? I, we put all, <laughs> all our interviewers on the spot. Even the authors who wrote some of these books. <laughs> That's not fair. I know. I know, but it's funny. Uh-huh, it is. Um, <laughs> I'm going to respectfully say, as of right now, there is no book I dislike. We've had that answer before, too. Um, yes, we have. Pan Am, Judy, or Rogue? Rogue. Lucy, Rebecca, yeah, or that's Kiwi? The one. Uh, Lucy, Rebecca, or Kiwi? Yeah. Honestly, Kiwi. Nice. Carrie, River, or Goro? Carrie, River, or Goro? I'm sorry, Goro. Goro wins that one. Yeah, me too. Carrie's awesome, and he's a very tight second, but Goro. When I found out I could actually save him, oh, you have no idea how quickly I did that replay through. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> Jumping right back too. up through that hole in the floor. That was before there was even a notification you could do it. I was yeah. just like, wait, I could jump? I got double jump? Okay. And I, I, I scrapped like eight hours. Yes. Um, David Main or Pilar? Oh, Main in a heartbeat. Favorite Night City gang? Philharmonic Vampires. Or the Zoners. That's a hard, hard toss-up. I really like the way the Zoners are set up. I, I don't think we've ever had anybody even mention the the vampires before. That's that's a good answer. Yeah, and you'd have to know my friends to really get that one. And I think Zoners just recently came out and came to light. So, uh, favorite mega corporation? K Tech. Hmm. Okay. Favorite uh, uh, cyberpunk movie? Favorite cyberpunk movie? Oh, oh, I hate you for that one. I'm gonna say. If you'd count it, Terminator 2. If you don't count it, Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, we would absolutely count Terminator 2 and Johnny Mnemonic. Um, yep. We count a lot of things. <laughs> I was going to say, I would throw RoboCop in there, but that's like, a, you can't hate RoboCop or Demolition Man, so those are just like, you know, free answers. I wanted to give something actually harder. I mean, if I recall, I think Ross Wynn said it was sneakers. So, like, we're, we're pretty broad in our definitions of cyberpunk movies. Yes. Mm. But I have to give it to Ross. Sneakers was actually a pretty good cyberpunk movie. I mean, it's, 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 it's truly cyberpunk just yeah. without the cybers. So, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to take uh, a look at it because I've not seen sneakers. Favorite oh, cyber... Lord. It's a, it's a... Yeah, you're right. Go ahead. I know. We're trying to get through these quick, and then we, we can uh, reiterate. <laughs> we're already getting stuff. caught on yeah. it. Uh, favorite cyberpunk fictional character? Mm. Neo. Okay. Okay. Oh, Deckard, actually. The more I think about it, Deckard. Okay. All right. Uh, Gibson, Both Dick. Both totally valid. Gibson, Dick, or Stevenson? Gibson. Favorite cyberpunk novel? Uh, do Android stream of Electric Sheep? I actually got to finish that in full last year. Oh, so good. Yeah. Is Shadow Punk or is Shadow Run Cyberpunk? It is to me. Okay. Okay. I, I disagree, but 
It, it, it's fantasy cyberpunk. It's, a, it's yeah. an interesting little blend, but I, I, I would believe it, it is. It's got the same veins. It, it falls into the category I like to call cyberpunk adjacent. Yes. That's Meaning a good way to put it's, it. Yeah, it's got the trappings, but it's not pure. Yeah, I, I've often viewed it, it as um, urban fantasy, right? Cyberpunk is that weird genre where there's more, there's honestly, there's more cyberpunk adjacent than there is pure cyberpunk. True. Well, I got a question for you then. What is true cyberpunk by definition? Well, uh, true cyberpunk is is near future tech grounded in reality. No, that's um, fair. So, like, no aliens, yeah, no magic. Um, right. No, no psionics. No superpowers. No that interstell interstellar travel. Um, but if it is interstellar travel, it would be you know experimental. Yeah, no, no faster than light, no, uh, no teleporters, just realistic, grounded tech. Like, obviously, cyberpunk's tech is going to be next level, but uh, it has to be day after tomorrow believability. Yep. That actually is a pretty solid description. Yeah, I, I agree on that then. Uh, defined like that, I would say yes to what you define Shadowrun as. And I also yeah, think... now granted, no one else defines it that way. Yeah. So, because everybody's got their own definition. Yep. And, and that's why I always like of... to check the definitions people have when they're bringing me things. I'm like, what is it to you? So I know. Yeah. Exactly. And there always has to be a little dystopian um, in that blend, right? It, it's, not a, it's not the white, you know, gleaming, clean future of like Star Trek, but the. Uh, the dirtiness and the, the corruption that often leads, I guess, humanity into that, that place. Man, Anyways. that's fair. Less utopia, more dystopia. Anyway, continue. Sorry, I, I definitely sidetracked us there. Cheers. Yeah, no worries. The, the questionnaire is over, um, so we can we can start getting into a little bit there or a little more. So Sneakers was a movie that came out um, late 80s, mid 90s? I think mid 90s. Uh, I want to say 93. Oh, let's see. Who do I see it with? Okay. I want to say 92, 93. I was just out of high school. Uh, yeah, but it, it, um, it had a ridiculous cast. Uh, Sidney Poitier, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, um, and the name of the main star eludes me at the Redford. moment. Robert Redford. There yeah. we go. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. Very, very early Ed Norton, or uh, not Ed Norton, John Malkovich. Yep. Like, like almost teenage John Malkovich. And it's basically um, like um, kind of a covert. Uh, it's basically like this little group of edge runners, really, who do, yeah. um, do like shadow work and gray ops. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the right. premise is is that they test, they get hired to infiltrate company security systems in order to test their security systems, and from there it becomes a heist film. Yes, heavy on the hacking, heavy on the information, uh, Lord. Um, 
trading, really, I guess would be the best term to, yeah. to use. And, and I'll pull if, it up and take a look. And if, if, if yeah, you have I'm, players who never heard of the movie before, watch the movie and you will find so much inspiration on creating like a, a Edge Runner uh, campaign around it. Especially for non-solo characters, like uh, there, there's no real like the the characters in the movie don't really get involved themselves in any of the combat. They're just uh, it's a very smart movie. I can't recommend it enough. All right, I'll take a peek. Yeah. So um, all right, the, that's the question. That being said, it was. It was just announced that you have taken over as the media manager for Artel Sorian. Mm-hmm. Can you can you tell us how that came to be? Back whenever I went to Gen Con and I was just volunteering, just GMing and every now and then keeping an eye on the booth, it just kind of felt right. And about day two, I was like, this is where I want to be. Like, you know, I was doing fine with YouTube, my you can't really say I quit my previous job because I I was a freelancer, but my previous work as a voice actor, it was getting only difficult because of how much AI voice cloning and AI books were getting. It, it came Ooh. a bit of a nightmare. So that was always on my mind. But the more I worked with everybody at Artel, the more I was just like, this is, I'm comfortable with these folks. I want to work more with them. So I decided to double down. Nice. Yeah, that's that's been the unifying theory of everybody we've talked to. Like they started hanging out with the Artel crew, and they're like, "These are the people I want to hang out with. These are the people I want to work for." This yeah, it just that I want clicked. to find myself in. Mm-hmm. It, it it just clicked, and I was like, um, "Yeah, <clears throat> I, I like these folks. These are my people." Yes. Yeah, I mean that. And even like in the the 2020 days, just talking to, you know, some of the old authors, it was just, I just found it fascinating that these kids, and they were kids, they were like, you know, 20 year old, uh, either college students or just got out of college uh, and working with Mike and and creating all of these just stellar supplements um, from, from a gaming point of view. So... It, it seems like Mike knows how to like tap into the the, the youth, and, and pull out uh, just some amazing people. So kudos, man, and, and I'm glad you uh, got into it because I know Jay. I've talked to Jay and I talked to Lisa and how they were saying that you know we don't have a social media person. It's it's, it's driving us mad. So kudos, man. So what can um, uh, the community expect from you? in this role i mean is or do you have ideas uh any plans that you can uh share with us going forward well to give an idea of how much i'm putting into what's coming uh, i can say at least this week alone every day i've had two pages or so of notes ideas that i want to do how things are going um i can already say because a few people have noticed i've already woke back up the artesorian games youtube channel and there is going to be things popping up on there very soon, stuff nice. that I'm working on daily. So oh, even though on uh, on my own channel, I have technically went on a hiatus there just because I wanted to get things down for Artel before I you know, went back to hobbies. But the main thing I was going to do is, of course, get that channel woken up. And you will see me a lot around Twitch 
you'll see me even in YouTube streaming. I will be actually popping around quite a bit, just watching people play, asking how folks are. It's I've always been someone who likes just to talk direct with folks. You know, I, I don't usually sit behind a veil. I've never been that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I want to actually talk with folks and see where their heads are, see if they're having fun, see their concerns. But in terms of just like business wise, yeah, I've got a few things jotted down, a few things I can't talk about. Okay. Well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Definitely want to so, uh, look into that. So. <clears throat> Literally, it was like two days ago that the announcement was made. So, are we your your uh, first official interview? Yes, you are. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, we we set this up a good month ago, I believe, yeah. and. Whenever, uh, whenever this happened, I'm like, "Ooh, this is gonna make that interesting now." Exactly. We, yeah, it was, it was very exciting around these parts when, when the announcement was made because we had been looking forward to talking to you for a while. Yeah. Well, like when I first met you over at Gen Con, like face to face, I kind of peripherally watched your uh, YouTube channel and kind of saw your various comments and. Uh, I think the one thing that like really astonished me was how many subs you have on your YouTube channel for uh, Cyberpunk, um, and being a Cyberpunk Red channel, uh, which you don't often see that. And, and granted, the the uh, market I guess is a little small, right? Because there's just a, a few really uh, uh, YouTubers out there who are producing content for. Uh, cyberpunk um, but just to see how how much you've achieved and and not like you said a year and a half to me is just boggling my mind <laughs> it truly is I mean uh, a year and a half for the absolute uh, prolific amount of work you you've you've put out there it's it's impressive and you know, watching your videos, it 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 really strikes me that uh, if if I heard right, if I if I heard right on the on your videos, you didn't come to this from uh, Cyberpunk twenty twenty. You you just jumped straight into Red. That's right. <clears throat> and now you have become kind of the expert on Red, like. Uh, there were several people who were putting out lore videos and things of that nature who were just they, they just quoted directly from the source material. There was no there was no insight into it. They had no understanding of it. They were just reading off the page, as it were. You have a deep understanding of Red. You you seem to play it exclusively at this point. Um, and that's really refreshing. When it comes to, for one, I, I still don't view myself as a, an expert. What I, what I did whenever I started out, um, I first watched everyone I could. I wanted to see what everyone was doing, where everyone was standing. And I decided very early on if I was going to go with this, I just wanted to be the foot in the door for people. I wanted to be the person who would introduce them. And then they would find you know the people with much deeper information, more detailed explanations. So... Whenever I first did my first true long video for Cyberpunk Red, it really was me just giving an honest review of the book and giving everyone a rundown of what to expect in it. And I had hoped that people would then take that and follow through to dig up more. 
And then I started to tap into shorts. Yep. And I decided very early on with shorts that every single one I did, I wouldn't count as, you know, a quick haha meme thing. I would count it as a miniature video. And sure. I turned each one into a miniature guide if I could. And back then shorts was still getting a handle. Like it was still kind of getting going. Like it, we have a lot more features now with shorts than we did way back then. We, I uh, was getting involved with it just back whenever you still had to put hashtag shorts in the title to even get it on the shorts feed. So I was really early on with those, but anytime that I had to do a video or a guide or anything, first thing I would always do, read it four times over, five times over if I could, just to be able to explain it as casual as I could. And I'm not going to say people playing the game casually is a bad thing. It's just I wanted to be able to, let's say, reach over to someone coming from another tabletop game and explain it in a way that they would catch it. And I knew that if I could at least make that link, they would search for the more detailed information themselves. And it it worked. Um, I had a perfect storm situation. Uh, nice. I mean, it also it, it it really helps, I think that you didn't come into it with the preconceived notion that say like uh smile and i did where we're coming to it from a deep decades-long love of cyberpunk 2020 and our what we're wanting from the game what we're expecting from the game uh what we know the what what our experience with the game has been uh that that taints and biases you know any any outlook we're going to have on red, whereas you came into it and red is red is your thing already. Like you, you didn't have those biases. You didn't, you didn't have that baggage. Uh, so you're able to give, I think a more, a more honest opinion towards uh, newcomers to the game. Uh, then maybe we are, we're, we're, we're giving our opinion for, people like us uh the old grognards who just 2020 runs deep in our veins well i'll, um, I'll be upfront about it like folks like y'all are more valuable to me than even my own words because not only do y'all have deep understanding of the lore if anybody really wants to like dig in deep they have y'all as a resource and whenever i was starting out i viewed y'all as more valuable than even my own work because oh. y'all could talk about stuff that i would even be like whoa wait that's a thing by so yeah, even <laughs> still, like, don't give yourself less credit than you actually deserve. You actually have carried quite a bit here, if you don't think it even though. Yeah. I, oh I, no, I, that's that's. I, I appreciate those words, but that's. I, I was more saying that for the for the newcomers to Red, your stuff is far more is, is more accessible, um, because you're coming into it with them basically, or they're coming into it with you. Um, I understand you. I get you. So, can you expand on like your origin story with either the tabletops and how you even got into red at the time? All right. Do you want the full tabletop story? Or do you want just the red stuff? Uh, full tabletop story. All right. My first exposure to tabletop was the original Neverwinter Nights. No Go lie. I, I that's, that's back never, far. I never really dipped into it, and I had no clue I was doing anything like D and D related when I was playing Kotor for like four thousand hours when I was younger. Um, the first time I ever got put in front of a table, uh, is a bit of a funny story. Uh, a friend of mine ran a game shop, 
uh, in the town north of here. And I went in one day, I think I was just going in to hang out and play Halo. This was back when all the Xboxes had to be linked together to play together. Oh, and, land party. Uh, uh-huh. Imagine a whole wall that's nothing but a land party. I miss that. <clears throat> thick TVs. But um, I go in, and my bud Eric is like, hey, I got a Smash tournament I have to run. I got this group of folks here who want to play Dungeons and Dragons. I know you've never played before, but I'm in a spot. Could you run the game for me? I had no clue how to play. And he just basically goes, here's the sheets. Try to kill them. <laughs> had no clue what I was doing at all. And I won't lie. Uh, people say fake it till you make it with that. But uh, they ended up killing and it was a Draco Lich. I will never forget that. It was a group of eight and they killed a Draco Lich. And we, yeah, I, I just somehow fandangled my way through it. And from then on, that was right at the start of fourth edition, I believe very early on fourth edition okay um i then went back played some 3.5 and then fifth edition bit me hard right around 2017 and i did that all the way up to early 2020 um i then fell out of it call it burnout or whatever you want to say Uh, and as the year went on um person i was dating at the time she was very deep into cyberpunk she was excited for 2077 i would hear about it every day to the point that it did make me sick i was actually one of the few people who were not looking forward to cyberpunk i was tired of hearing about it and when it came out i i had no interest i can't remember what game i was playing at the time but a combination of her and her and uh, my roommate they made me just play it for two hours. They said, trust us, you'll like it. And so I booted it up. And it took me all of about 30 minutes for me to finally go, man, this reminds me of a tabletop game. What is this? And as I was playing, I was like, <laughs> yeah, th- this this kind of gives me that vibe of like, I've been missing. And, you know, everyone talked about, you know, the issues at launch. I only had one issue, and that was Judy's eyes. For some reason, for me, they were white, and I thought it was on purpose. Yeah, it just, they were just missing the texture. I thought it was on purpose. But um, from there, um, it was very easy to say I got hooked. I think I did like 30 hours in that week. Uh, and then after playing it for a while, I finally went, all right, I know this is from a tabletop game. And I had seen Seth Skorkowski's videos. And I was like, all right, what is the most recent version of this? And I pulled up Cyberpunk Red. Sold out everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Um, I checked even local stores that I knew were just those good old fashioned, you know, local game stores that don't even have a website. You just go in and they got what they got. Yep. Um, this is when I was living down in Orlando. Uh, all of them didn't have it. They said, yeah, we've sold all the copies. So a couple months go by, no traces. And a friend of mine, her name's Sev. She goes, you're not going to believe this, but I found a copy in Canada. And, uh, yeah, it was an expensive purchase, but that's how I got it. It was a second print, and I still have it right back there behind me. So that's how I fell into Cyberpunk Red. Okay. Nice. Yeah, so it was it was a long little journey of just like trying to trace it down. But from there, about a year of multiple games, you know, not panning out because of the biggest killer of tabletop games ever, scheduling. But no, in a... Uh, yeah, early 2022, we bit the bullet and got into it deep uh me and a few friends and yeah from there it just kind of panned out and 
So you I actually was like, you know what? got in through, Go through the cyberpunk, uh, I mean, the computer game. Mm-hmm. 2077 was the thing that bit me first. Wow. Well, welcome <laughs> to our little thing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, fun little fact about uh, Seth is he actually, um, so Derek did a, a kind of a homebrew rules of the interlock system uh, called IU, and actually Seth contributed interlock to Interlock Unlimited. Yeah. I've seen him mention that a couple times through the famous story, of course, of, you know, uh, oh, God, how did I just suddenly forget the last name? I know it's Scott. Oh, God. Scott Brown. There we go. <laughs> We've all seen Scott Brown, even if we were D&D fans. So like, it, that was legendary, even so. But no, knowing he had a hand in that, that's pretty cool. Because he mentions Interlock Unlimited there on his channel often. Yeah, we actually. Have- yeah, one of his uh, one of his very first shows was uh, was dedicated to it. Because he would be speaking about the um, the campaign he did whenever he had it was just him and his friends and they were all just you know a bunch of like street kids they were lucky to get their uh, you know disposable pistol because they actually felt like true badasses when they finally got it oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah Seth is Seth is good people he's a he's a I I would love to game under Seth that dude is is magic with uh with his storytelling abilities. Whenever things started to like really kick off, it, I actually reached out to him for a bit of YouTube advice, and he he didn't hesitate. He gave me a little bit of advice, and it worked. It helped. What advice it was, I won't keep it to myself, but yeah, I uh, I actually reached out to Seth right at the beginning of when things started to pick up because I just anytime there's something I don't know or don't know how to handle, I I'm not going to try and fake like I do. I will go to someone who knows better than me. Yeah. So it was actually Seth who helped you grow your channel. No, no, I, it was when things were blowing up when it was getting crazy. I was like, I need someone who's used to this kind of traction. So I reached out to him just like, Hey, how do you handle this situation? He gave me the advice and I have been following it ever since. Well, that's good stuff. He's, he's a good person to listen to. Yes. Hmm. Um, so now that you have, well, as your channel grew, did you see a lot more audience coming in from the computer game? Or was it kind of a blend of not only the computer game, but also people who who play RPGs in general, uh, tabletop RPGs, were, were attracted to your channel and you kind of were a conduit into getting them into like Cyberpunk Red? A lot of people came in from the 2077 side. A lot of people even mistook whenever I did shorts about DLC releases, they would get confused thinking it was DLC for 2077, and I was constantly having to make sure and correct and you know put them on the right path. The amount of interest for Red and even 2020 that 2077 brought floored me. Like I, even off the top of my head, I can think of whole comment sections where I would just be in almost every single like reply going, no, this is for cyberpunk red, not 2077. This is where you go. <laughs> and it, it, it was, it was rampant, but the interest definitely came from the 2077 side. And this all kicked off for me too, right when edge runners hit. So that was a time that almost any creator in the cyberpunk sphere, everybody saw a spike and it's just, yeah. Well, I think uh, Derek and I have kind of been lost into the shuffle of the whole um, SEO, right? So 
when we originally created our two sites back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when, you know, the internet was still, I wouldn't say less commercialized uh, than it is today. Search engines, you, you could find sites specifically dedicated towards the tabletop. A, you didn't have the computer game, right? Which was helpful. Mm -hmm. And B, there wasn't as much, I guess, um, pay to play from the various companies that would try to, you know, skew the SEO search engine. So the crawler would basically not find, well, they, they hardly find the, the real small time content creators like me and Derek anymore because well no i remember those days yeah. i remember I when mean, it was a much more even playing field we're talking well the whole community was was smaller because there wasn't like cyberpunk as a whole had had kind of started to die off from its late 80s early 90s explosion uh there weren't any there were very few video games that fell into the genre and nothing was called cyberpunk uh as a brand name except cyberpunk yep um and it was and the internet was still in its foundling stages like geocities was that was still the big thing that everybody had a geocities page there wasn't I wikipedia there wasn't uh, i miss i miss the amount of unbridled creativity mm -hmm. that it allowed for uh, yeah, sure, right. you got some really goofy web pages, um, but I mean, for a while, Data Fortress was hosted on GeoCities because it was free. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good platform. I I still remember actually being sad when GeoCities got no oh, GeoCities. Oh my goodness, GeoCities got shut down. That ran together. Yeah. That was not meant to be an insult on GeoCities at all. No, we lost like two thirds of the Cyberpunk pages that were in existence when that happened. Yeah. That was. That was part of the impetus of why I eventually created the Cyberpunk Archive, because I was like, holy shit, we just lost all this great content, and if if I don't do something, it'll never be seen again. Yep. And I think the, the other thing back in the day, <clears throat> there was actually the, well, it started off as the top 100 Cyberpunk sites, um, which then grew into the top 1,000 Cyberpunk sites at the time uh and, and oh web rings yeah and and granted you know there were some sites that just had one article or or one character that someone posted but still. shit there were some that didn't even have that some were just like placeholders that some <laughs> some kid created and just never did anything with i remember um, those things you would just click next and wind up on a page where you're like what 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 is but why is there only just an A right there? I remember web rings. Yeah. I do. How the fuck does this relate to anything? What's going exactly. on? Exactly. You're like, why? But then you have, of course, the ads that people were farming up on it. They they took advantage of that quite a bit. Yeah, really early on too. But um, but then you'd come across a gem like you know Morning Man's site or uh, Chris Conkle's site. Um, uh, actually, I guess I should call it Amy Lutheran's site because it was mockeries. But uh, yeah, back in the early days, man, the internet was it was a much more creative place. Yeah. And uh, now everything falls into like the same temp. Everything's a wiki page now. And uh, 
if they're properly maintained, wikis are great. They're a great place to find out information. But even then, there's not a whole lot of new creativity to it. It's it's more like a, a an archive of information as opposed to like you very rarely see a wiki full of people doing new stuff with it. That I can agree on because even when I'm just searching for stuff, I I know I'll get one of three sites, and I can. I can name them off the top of my head if I want to, because whenever I search, it will be one of three each time. Yep. Or it's or it's Reddit pages, uh, which just I mean, great, but I mean, Reddit is it's really just a really large chat forum, and it's it's horrible trying to look information up on on Reddit for anything really. I can agree on that, and I count myself lucky for the subreddits that I'm actually in and involved with, because I'm I'm in one that's just itty-bitty, but it just goes in so deep on one of the more super-obscure puzzles in Cyberpunk 2077, which is FF06B5. I have been on that way too many hours, digging through way too much stuff. <laughs> and, and for things like that, it's great, where it's an open discussion and all that. Like, don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't hate Reddit at all. Uh... I think for discussion, it's great. I, I think it makes up for the loss of the traditional forum. I mean, I, I remember back in the days of news groups and that that before before forums or chat rooms even became a thing, there was there was news groups where we just delve into whatever subject at the time. But uh, yeah, I really miss I You're really miss, miss it. personal websites. You're making me miss just forums in general because I I still remember the days where, you know, I'd be looking for builds for characters I was making. And, you know, the old classic system of red is OP, cyan is kind of OP, dark blue is okay, green, don't touch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, yeah, I miss, I miss forums. Um, which is, which is odd because red is... Re because Reddit is basically a forum. Um, yeah. However, I don't think it's a specialized forum, right? And I think that no, it's... and it doesn't. It doesn't have that same sense of community that like dedicated forums had. Instead of it being a central hub, it is a gigantic spider web. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Well. Yeah, funny, that's a good way of looking at it. Funny thing is, views from the edge is still uh, up and running. If you don't... It is, and I wish that I, I could bring myself to post there more often. I it just For those who don't know, Views from the Edge is where it, it was the first Cyberpunk 2020 dedicated uh, internet forum to really take off. And a lot of the grognards, uh, our generation, um, hung out there. Uh, that's, in fact, where I first met uh, Ross Wynn. Uh, but as, as the years went by, it just became this highly political shooting match. And I just, I lost all interest. I, I didn't want to argue politics. I didn't want to argue real world politics in, in my time off. Yep. I, I got really tired of that. Politics will exhaust you fast. I understand yeah. that. And of course, there's uh, the same thing happened with like RPG net. Like I used to hang out there quite a bit, but 
that was the site I was referencing with the color codes for powers. I was like, yeah. I think it's RPG something, but I'm not going to guess the name until I'm certain. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so... Um, but yeah, forums, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to change the topics, but if you want to finish your... By topic. all means, change the yeah, topic. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. We're <laughs> rambling at this point. This is just being nostalgic now. Yeah, um, so red right so how often do you play do you gm or do you most do you play i am exclusively a gm um the last time i was a player was four months ago because my gm uh his job demanded him to do a trip and we're uh we're getting it going again apparently in two weeks for me as a player oh, nice. um for me as a gm i i actually prefer gming i i like gming and I don't believe the term forever GM exists, at least for me. It's just what I like doing. Um, I try to have a weekly game. Um, obviously, some things will cause delays. Uh, we have gone six weeks at a time where we haven't played. Um, we have a game on Saturday. Uh, same group of friends now for, God, almost a year now we've had our campaign going. And the biggest break we took was a month-long break. Nice. And it's all based in Cyber, uh, Night City, same group? Night City, same group, uh, 2045. And with this group, I actually kicked it off using uh, Cyberpunk Red Easy Mode. I actually introduced them into the game with Easy Mode. Um, we used the adventure in the back. And for the NCPD officers that did not get, uh, get wasted at the end, I took them, turned them into a recurring problem. And honestly, we had a two, three month stretch of them trying to hunt down the remaining ones, one after another as a hit job and wound up very fun. Uh, let's put it that way. The money that they did not get, the 10,000 eddies at the end, um, one of them was using to beef up another who had been seriously injured in the fight. So they had themselves a fully chromed out problem for the finale. Ouch. It's where the infamous story of uh, raining grenades comes from because... I, I misunderestimated my uh, player's ingenuity. I, I have a personal grudge against grenades because <laughs> um, <clears throat> they... Uh, do y'all want this story? This sure, may take sure. a second. Okay. We've got plenty of time. So they were heading back to the original warehouse where the final battle of getting, uh, getting paid takes place. It had been partially burnt down. Um, they end up going in. Uh, they get to the area, they realize there's a truck backed up to it. Um, the truck was running, but the cover was over the back of it. It was pumping exhaust into the building. They never went in. Um, that's because their fixer at the time, Laszlo, uh, he was in the building, and unfortunately it was a trap. So he unfortunately didn't make it. They knew something was up, and I forgot that one of them had a grapple gun. One used it to get on the roof, got to the opposite side, looked down on top of the truck, and of course to the left is where I had the two uh, covered cars that had the ambush of the remaining NCPD officers. And in the back of the box truck was the chromed up one. Um, they all just simply held over the side a few grenades, dropped them down on top of the cars, and what happened happened. It turned a fight that I had planned to take a few hours into an hour. Uh, the chromed up guy in the back who was just straight cyber psycho at that point. Uh, it was Easton, I believe is what his last name was. It what they were the characters pulled straight from getting paid. Um, that fight was a fun one, uh, but 
yeah, they, they quickly tore apart a finale fight just from being a little bit more clever than me, and I love them for it. But to this day, grenades, if <clears throat> every single time they get a refill, I start to sweat. Yes, grenades. Uh, I think for, that's the that's the beauty of players. I think they for, will uh they they will destroy your your most carefully laid out plans every single time. Oh yeah, we won't even go into the use of grenades and rockets during Reaping the Reaper. Uh uh, <laughs> we won't even go into that. Yeah, I think for for us in twenty twenty, the the main issue was the uh, uh, SP. Uh, escalation that often players would have in which you know when when layering came out and i think chrome 4 came out just players how they would just game the system of creating these characters who would just have 30 sp and be invulnerable to quite a lot of different uh weaponry i mean granted there was always mechanics that you could defeat armor very quickly to just to show players yeah, you know, I as a GM, you will always have something that will will always squash the players. But yeah, there was quite a few times that my players have outtrumped me, as it were. I'm like, ah, oh, but this this major NPC was supposed to last for you know at least five more sessions. And you guys just headshotted them. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I've learned never put never put an NPC that you're not willing to lose in front of the players. Hopefully I said that right, my phrasing. Because I know if I give them the chance to kill, they will kill. So it's uh, it's definitely phone calls and things like that or just out of reach moments. Uh, I learned that halfway through the lead-up to that finale fight. I had the leader of those NCPD officers uh, across the road on top of a roof, and they expertly moved to try and intercept him. I, I I can't even be mad about it. The only reason why he bloody survived was actually a mistake on my part. I misjudged the time that a flashbang gives a player uh, skill debuffs. And uh, I held it on just a little bit too long. But he ended up getting out of there. That was another case of grenades raining from the sky. Because he got down to ground level, got into a car, booked it. Grenades just started getting dropped from the building. Again. Just raining grenades. Yep. Um, moving along to another topic. Uh, what are some of the things that you think Red uh, can hook more uh, art or tabletop uh, role-playing players into the game? I think people coming into it really, really underestimate how creative they can be with it. Like... Um, the last video I did on my channel before I started getting prepared, um, it was about homebrewing. And in it, I outlined that when it comes to red, a lot of folks, whenever they were picking it up, saw it as, you know, there's a lot of general terms here and things like that. People missed, like, the lists of, you know, all the brands and all the specifics and all the unique exotics. And for me, I look at it and go, wow, these are so many building blocks I can use to make cool things. And I think people coming from other games, they're used to at least having a bit more of a guide in what they can do rather than being shown all the pieces of a puzzle and someone going, you can put this together. I feel there's just so much bloody potential in Red's 
you know, design language to build whatever you do want right from the core book. Because with Black Chrome, we got a good peek at what's there. But a lot of it could have been done with what is in the core book. Like, even just recently, um, and I will straight say this, I cannot take credit for this idea. This this came from Jay. This came from Jay Gray. Uh, it has been set there the whole time that people have been capable of powered armor. And it has been just a combination of two items. Yep. And it's just external linear frame, slap some armor for it with a tech, you've got your powered armor. You literally have a set of armor that'll protect you and gives you strength way beyond a normal person. And whenever he pointed that out to me and how simple it was to do something that cool, it kind of hit me that I was looking at things a little bit wrong, at least in my terms of wrong. I was, I was looking too much at exacts as what they were rather than what I could do when I put them together. That really changed my perspective on it. And it's why I was like, if one thing I wish I could share with more people, it's what you can do with what's already there. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, Interlock has kind of always been like that, where uh, other games, they, they, wanna, they want specific examples of everything, and if it's not, if it's not laid out for uh, the players and the GM, then it's simply just not something available. Whereas with Interlock, even going back as far as 2013, uh, you're allowed to get clever. You're allowed to, you know, get creative and... Uh, move the game beyond the very basic parameters of mm -hmm. the tools they lay out for you. And I, I often worry that may be a fact of just players from other games getting way too used to being told, no, you can't do that. And yeah, well, that is something that I'm actually sad about and something I was even guilty of too back whenever I was DMing. A player would come up with something that I would view as overpowered but totally in the realms, but even out of my own fear, I'd say no. And I do worry that people who are really used to things like that, it, it's definitely something that's more player to GM. It's something that has to be discussed at every single table of what is and is not. And it is a GM's job to maintain balance. Uh, but it's like, I do believe people may be afraid to like take it past the edge and see what they can really do. Because there's there is some stuff you can do just with even the core rulebook. And like I said, it changed my viewpoint of everything just from Jay's suggestion. Right. And, and I think there's a, a mentality that's there with most human beings around creativity <clears throat> and, and innovationists or being innovative, right? Is that, and I'm kind of guilty of it. I, I like the rules. I like being constrained. I like being, you know, kind of, focused in on specific things uh, versus some people who will take it beyond the limits, right? And, and go think, right, the, the, the cliche of thinking outside of the box um, mm. and, and bringing that opinion. And, and it's also, I think, difficult for some players, especially uh, an older generation, right, in which you're, you know, you, you, you got a nine to five, you got a bills to pay and, and all this other stuff. You want the simplicity of being, having that constraint so you can stay focused and you don't have to, you know, completely go off the rails. And because creativity takes time. <laughs> uh, it does. And I'm, 
a lot of people don't always have that time. With with my view on it, I I have caught a few people off guard because they'll usually take uh, what I say when it comes to how I run games at face value, which is if there is a rule, you can expect me to break it. And that's not in it, it said straight up, people will go, uh-oh. But no, what I mean is every single rule in a tabletop game is meant to be bent or changed to make your personal game fun for you. Yep. And exactly. Like if that is something I've been mm -hmm. they're just meant to act as guidelines. They are all guidelines. And I I do enjoy breaking rules if it means that I have a table full of laughing happy players. But I'll never sacrifice a rule in terms of getting rid of balance. Like I still keep balance in mind. That's the reason why, like whenever I say, you know, I I will break every rule you put in front of me, it's not to go, ha ha, I'm just gonna, you know, do what I want. It's really with the mind of I know every single table I'm gonna sit at, people are gonna expect a different game. And every single player is expecting a different kind of game. And it's about finding the balance. And sometimes you do have to break a few rules to get there. But once you do, you just have this perfect bliss of a good game. I agree. Uh, and it, it, it strikes people weird that when I, uh, when I say those similar sentiments, because, I mean, I rewrote Interlock uh, as Interlock Unlimited. It adds a ton of new rules. Um, but all those rules are optional for the situation. Like, if, if you can... Mm-hmm. If you can adjudicate a problem with something off the top of your head uh, in the spur of the moment, do that. The The rules are there for when, you know, it becomes something of a more uh, frequent issue in your game. Or, it's the rule of why not, is how I like to say it. It's the rule of, are you going to try this? Why not? Let's see if it goes. Yeah. Maybe you've thought of a better way of handling something than I have. Maybe... Maybe this is something that doesn't need, you know, a page of rules if, you know, a simple conversation will will handle the trick. And I think people are afraid of that. Uh, They're afraid of... It all comes down to they're afraid of letting players get clever and creative uh, in the face of their own preconceived notions as to how any given... uh, conflict is supposed to play out even if it's just as simple as you know i want to the fan belt on the car broke down i want to wrap some pantyhose around it and get it moving um simple things like that i i've seen player or i've seen gms start literally sweating over well how does that work and all that well just let it work yeah. yeah, whenever you're in a situation where a player like does something you don't expect, do you want to spend 10 minutes trying to find if it's possible in the book? Or do you want to do what, you know, will keep things going and make a call? And if after the game you realize you were wrong, you just correct it for the next time. I believe yeah, in keeping the flow going. I mean, I personally struggled with that kind of thing for a while. And, uh, yeah, eventually you realize that keeping the game flowing is a much more rewarding experience for everyone involved than stopping everything for half an hour to look up some obscure rule or some obscure piece of tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or even worse, arguing about it. Jesus, yeah. I hate arguing in a game. Yeah, yeah. It make a call quick, 
do what you can, get through the game after the fact, then worry about it. Because if it is a situation where it's one player having the problem with you as a GM, that is stopping the fun of what, three to five other people? So it's uh it's a little unfair just to fight on the spot, make the call, adjust later. Yeah, and if possible, unless unless what the player is asking is just completely ridiculous, completely out of left field, or just overwhelmingly in their favor, tend to leads lean more towards, you know, an amicable resolution for the player. Because uh, if the player is going to constantly feel like the GM is screwing over, screwing him over, that's going to create a real issue in your game down the road. Yeah, and yeah, th- that swing communication becomes key. Yep, go ahead, Smiley. I'm sorry. And, and I think one of the things when you do things like that is to be consistent. Um, because if you, as soon as you become inconsistent, whether you rule a different way, same kind of the same circumstances, but you ruled a different way, that often leaves players thinking. Okay, why why do you allow me to do it this way that time, but not this way that time? You you definitely want to have some consistency when you, you do do a rule and make sure that that rule stays kind of like as gospel, unless you state prior to, yeah. to the players that hey, let's play with this. This is a, a concept that I'm working on. You know. This is not necessarily set in stone quite yet because I'd like to figure it out, right? Yeah, at the very yeah. least, just say I'll let it work this time, uh, but I'll try and you know research it better for the next time so I can have a more concrete ruling. Yep, notes are your friend. Notes are your friend. So, cool. Um, yeah, so... Trying to look at some of the questions around. So, as a as a red GM who who came to it straight into red, is there? Do you do you find yourself using any of the twenty twenty resources at all? Whenever I first got into red, I and this is going to sound like blasphemy. I intentionally did not look back at twenty twenty stuff, but the reason why I didn't is because there was so much. And I knew if I did, I would overwhelm myself. I might get things confused. But now I have dipped into a good few little things. Uh, of course, the Night City book itself, I, you need it. Uh, Protect and Serve was even recommended to me by uh, by James Hutt. So some books I have dipped back into, especially Neo Tribes, because I now am dealing with a Nomad. There is times where going back does help. But for the most part, I have kept it just directly in 2045 but that's only to make sure because my players are new to the game itself to make sure they don't get confused or overwhelmed that makes perfect sense yeah if you need help with a nomad campaign uh derek's your man (laughs) (laughs) well i'm 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 your man as far as 2020 nomads go the the nomad creature has changed quite a bit from 2020 to 2045. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I get confused looking at the new stuff. I'm like, these guys seem much more organized than I'm used to. I'm right now uh, dealing with a race scenario, and uh, the new nomad, he's with the Aldecaldos, and thankfully enough, we have the Aldecaldo Sightseers and Danger Gal Dossier that I can pull from, and they are involved. Nice. Serendipitous. 
we're getting to about an hour into the conversation. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, try to get your thoughts and views. I know you've done quite a few uh, live streams around uh, your playthrough with it. Uh, mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on, on Phantom Liberty? I, I don't want to give too many spoilers. I know you talk about the... Um, Christ, I keep on forgetting the, the, the mystery. Because I, I started looking at it, and I'm like, whoa, this is... FFO6B5? Yes. yes. It was solved. Uh, it's not really solved. Right, well, let's not get into it. It was solved by data yeah. miners, and it got spoiled for me, and it broke my heart. But the thing is, since the steps themselves have not been fully uncovered, I'm still messing around with that. I'm still trying to figure out the one thing missing. I know what the reward is. I know it's at the end, but... That doesn't change the fact that I absolutely love like the puzzle itself. It, the people will try to like spoil games for me and things like that, and they don't get that I have the fun in getting to the end. If I get told the ending, I'm like, okay. Like for example, I got spoiled the ending of The Force Awakens, and I'm like, that's gonna suck to get to. And sure enough, right when the ending of that happened, I was just gritting my teeth because I knew it was coming, and I'm I hated it even more. Not hated as in like hated the ending, but like I was dreading what was about to happen. So in terms of like getting to the end of that puzzle, it's more about me having fun with the puzzle itself rather than what's at the end. Yes. Yeah, so, so listeners, yeah, I... there's a in-depth puzzle inside the game that kind of spans, uh, they, they implemented some reality aspects of it. Like you need to go to certain websites and it also involves uh, playing Witcher 3 it's mm -hmm. it is a crazy little puzzle that some diabolical uh developer created um and it has now gotten even deeper yes. um to not reveal the steps of it at all because i'm going to let people figure it out for themselves it's now at the point where you basically have to do a game within the game at a certain time in a certain place and be at a certain spot and do this certain thing. There is very precise things you have to do to even get to the next step. So it's there for people who really want to dig in deep to crazy things. Because to get to <clears throat> me discussing like 2077 and Phantom Liberty. At face value when people will play through the game of 2077 itself. A lot of folks I have noticed in my comments and I've caught this. They play it way too much like a generic first person shooter and not like an RPG. And that is where I think a lot of complaints come from. Now, of course, we all know it had a rough launch, but people not treating it like an RPG, I feel, robbed them of a lot of really cool stuff they could have done and seen. And also to really see how many choices they had in going through it. And now with Phantom Liberty, to go completely spoilerless with this, Phantom Liberty is definitely not a situation of it only being a linear story. Yep. Every single side gig will affect something. And there's multiple ways to get through those side gigs. And there's multiple things you can do and multiple problems. And like, there's even a moment now where I'm wondering if I go back and do something a certain way, is it going to affect the ending of the game? And not like the true ending, but like what happens in Dogtown after a certain thing happens. It makes me really wonder to the point where I'm already planning my next playthrough. There is a dynamicism when it comes to how Phantom Liberty was set up. It was done very smart, and they took their time. 
I, I can't praise it enough. I, uh, I'm kind of heartbroken right now. Um, I play on uh, PS5, and I, I got bit with the, uh, the corrupt save. Bug. Oh no! They yeah, are working so I, on that. They are working on that. I know they are. I've seen it. The the patch is supposed to come out tomorrow, which which means you know early in the morning tonight, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but yeah, I I, I played. I got like three hours into it and I was having a blast and uh, something finally killed me and all of a sudden, oh, oh crap, I can't go, like it's not loading where I just was. And literally like 20 of the of the quick save, not quick saves, uh, auto saves were all corrupted. It took me all the way back to uh, just after, just after you can finally get out of Dogtown for the first time. Got you. Oh, I'm wow. sorry. Oh yeah, that's so, that's heartbreaking. I am sorry. So you yeah. So for the last it. week, I haven't been able to touch the game. Hmm. So uh, were you saying smiley oh, before I was going to go ahead? Well, I I was like, he you haven't even finished the the main plot yet. So you, I barely scratched the surface of it. I, so you I don't got know the, about I got the president or about to the little <laughs> apartment, and that was it. And you don't know about or how he or she, and then they. Mm. <laughs> yeah, shut up. We're just hitting the mute button over here right now. That's how we're keeping this in check. <laughs> yeah, we're. we're, we're well, I'm going to have to unleash the weasels uh, if you keep talking. <laughs> one thing I'm going to say about Phantom Liberty that a lot of people may not catch because a lot of people did it all in one go. Phantom Liberty is designed in a very interesting way that there's actually breaks in the story to where doing other quest lines in the main story fit in almost perfectly. And I'm talking like with Judy, with Pan Am, uh, even with Carrie. I was going back and forth the whole time because it was on a new playthrough and like, Oh, rogues call me while I'm waiting for uh, this guy. So I'm going to go help out Rogue. And it kind of caught me off guard that it was just fit. Absolutely perfect. And you would go to another mission where you would have a time where you would wait, like going to the Ebony K. Soon as that was done, I'd get a call from Dogtown, And I was like, this is meant to be mended into the story, not done all at once. I wonder how many folks waited and just did it all in one go. Well, uh, for me, the first time I'm going to play through it uh, is, you know, I'm I, my main character, end of save, just waiting to go visit Hanako. Uh, so I'm just, I'm rolling with it that way. And then with uh, some of my other characters, they're in, at various stages within the game. So I'll be able to experience some of that as well. Um I'm I, my only other real complaint other than the corrupt save thing is uh, the weird limit they put on items. Have, have either of you guys experienced this? Are you referring to cyberware itself or like uh, what specific uh, items? Okay, like I had I, I don't I don't tend to get rid of anything. Um In the first place, on these main saves that I've got, uh, 
I I hate grinding for money. Like there is, I, I fucking hate it in any game I play. Uh, so on these characters, I had, you know, thousands of those fucking paintings. Pardon because my language. The, the duplicate. Glitch. Yeah, because I did the duplicate glitch early on in the game before they started patching it. Uh, I I just had, I, I enough of those paintings that I should never have to worry about money again. And so, lo and behold, they released 2.0, and I go to trade some of those paintings in, and it went from, like, being 14,000 of them to 100. I think I can... uh, This is a guess. This is not me speaking from any kind of, like, official aspect. This is just me taking a guess, going off of what they did with 2.0. The reason why I believe they did that is because they wanted to put more value in finding weapons and also the change to how everyone can craft. So being a hoarder, like for example, me, I, as I said earlier, I I, I like tech. I like being a tech. So of course my character in 2077 maxed out tech tree. I I loved crafting the stuff. And it's also how I was able to really showcase a lot of like the iconics and the unique weapons that you only get crafting specs for. Sure. It is, has become very difficult to do the same now. And I believe they did it as a limiting thing to make you take your time more. See, um, and I hate that. I, I truly, I truly hate that. Like, if that's part of the what their original, like, if that's part of their vision, that's fine. That's great. Uh, but it's a single-player game, and therefore I should be able to play it the way I want to play it. Now, see, I... I can't say much on that because I, I'm a modder. Uh, I love modding my game. Um, it's how I got some of the shots in my videos. I can do quite a bit sure. with my game in Cyber Engine tweaks. But whenever I'm like playing through playing through, I always try to play it as intended because I don't want to rob the experience of myself nor ruin the vision of what the devs have done. That's just a personal rule I have. But like I do remember. And, and I get that. And that, that choice is always there. Uh, but to patch the glitch that allows you to play it the way you want to play it, if that isn't your choice, again, if it were if it had any aspects of multiplayer at all, I could I could totally see it. I would totally agree. But in a single player game, like I said, I I hate grinding for money. I hate my character not looking the way I want him to look. No, I can understand uh, that. I um, also I'm a collector, so I, I want <laughs> I want everything. I'm a clothing collector here too. I understand that one big time. I was gonna reference back way way back uh, patch 1.2. Whenever they um, redid how armor worked, and you would go from having five slots on legendary items to two, and no matter what, it was always a max of two. Uh, I'll never forget when that patch went in, and I did sit there for. A solid hour, just hoping that it was just an increased, an increased rarity of a certain item I wanted to use. And, you know, at the time I was let down as well, but then I began to see why they did it. It was because we were just extraordinarily strong and we were steamrolling the game. And so I got it then. And the way I see it is they are lining up the game to be the vision they want it to be. And I believe that. 
if we didn't at least trust him a bit, we wouldn't have such a gem that 2.0 has turned into. Like even 2.0, not even I talking mean, about Phantom Liberty, they've redone that game. Again, uh, I hate bullet sponges in video games. I went from being able to one-shot enemies, and of course them being able to one-shot me in return, to now everything takes like five to ten headshots to kill. It it it, it drives me mad. Yeah. And, uh, I, 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 I hate bullet sponges. I hate, I hate that they went with a level based system like that. That drives me nuts too. Like it's well, so far removed. The, the, the level the tabletop based, game it's based off of the, the bit level based system is fine. However, if you're going to, uh, uh, basically level set all your enemies to be this comparable to your level, then there's no real point for leveling other than to get, you know, the bonuses, the the perks, the the, the various aspects yeah. that you do. I mean at at the point that you well, add in it, level uh level balanced enemies, leveling itself becomes artificial. Like there's it, it's it's pointless. But with I mean, now the way it's set up that I've noticed, it's all when it comes to your level, that's what you will then see as drops. That's what you will see then as, you know, items and shops. It all changes now with your level. And even though the enemies will scale with you, the gear you can then access and chrome yourself up with makes those enemies less of a problem. But yeah. for me, I know this is going to be a, a difference in playstyle because for me, I, I do a very stealth-based playstyle to where... Heck, I was even able to figure out that some major bosses have hidden animations if you can actually stealth them. And it's little things like that that still catch me off guard. And from the way I used to play, I went through as, of course, you know, a super netrunner, untouchable. And then I was like, okay, now I'm getting rocked. I can barely play through this on hard. How can I change this up because of how the game has changed around me? And it made me play the game in a different way that... For me, not not assuming anyone else can, you know, get the same experience. It just it was more fulfilling for me because I had to think and really like go. Okay, if I jump out there right now, I'm dead. Yes, I, I and... agree with that aspect of it. That it's it made it more of a challenge. However, because I play very the the ultra hard thing when when oh i can't even do that oh you you've got me beat on that i can't i i would look at an enemy they would blink and i would fall over dead i am not a great player of this game at all yeah so so yeah that that would happen you know with 2.0 however with with 2.0 when i was doing my playthrough right so i've done (laughs) i have quite a few hours into this game because you know like like Derek, I'm a completionist, right? So I, I played a, a street kid, I played the nomad, I played the corporate, and I played both genders, right? Because I wanted to see what's the difference. Have the full experience. Them. Exactly. You had the same thing I did. I wanted to see it all. So I, I fully understand that. <laughs> so, so I've done six playthroughs uh, of the base game um, with the different roles. And then... Of course, when they were start coming out, I'm like, okay, I have to do another playthrough. So this is my seventh playthrough uh, with this new character. Uh, so all those other six player playthroughs I've done very hard. When I got onto when two 2.0 launched, you know, like you said, there was certain situations that yes, it was tough. You know, especially with Phantom Liberty, it was tough to get through. But 
there was also situations in like um specifically the the one situation that i found like you can't play through this the, the, it's just too hard was the scene in which johnny goes back to uh when Alt gets kidnapped, right, and, and captured by Arasaki, and I don't think this mm-hmm, is a spoiler. Never fade away. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think this is a spoiler because it's in the main book. No. Uh, it's never fade away. I I have actually tried to protect, spoiler-wise, even Jackie, but yeah. I I have actually been yelled at in my comments for trying to spoiler block Jackie. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just trying to watch it for folks who haven't played before, but no, I get it. Right. For here, I, well, I'll consider anything not Phantom Liberty free reign. Yeah, and, and to me, yeah, absolutely. never fade away. A, it's three years old. B, actually, it's not three years old. It's thirty. It's from twenty twenty. I know. Years old. Forty years old. Right. <laughs> However, the the one scene in which he's driving towards Arasaka, when he has to battle the pursuing Arasaka people, I had no problem. Out of the with, window when yeah, Thompson's driving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So all my six playthroughs, sure. He would die once in a while because I couldn't get the shots off in time. But this playthrough, it was like every time I stuck my head out the window, dead, dead, dead. And I'm like, I I can't do this. (laughs) Literally, there's no way. And I would barely get off a shot before they would kill me. I'm like, this is impossible. So I had to take for that particular scene down it to just hard to get through that scene again. Um, just because it was so difficult and, and I, and that's one of the things that I think when they, they spiked up the, the lethality of, of the game was, I appreciated it, right? Yes. I, I want it to be a challenge. I don't want to steamroll right through everything. The other thing that I found kind of a, a problem with 2.0 is that there's a lot of doors that require you to either have a tech 20 or a body of 20 to bust through them to me that means okay i need to level my character to have tech 20 and at least a body of 14 before i can do any gigs because i'm not going to be able to experience the full game because there's going to be you know a bar in the way uh because i can't get through a secret door that you know the developers decided to create so I have to level my character up to be level, you know, level 30-something at the bare minimum. And I can't even dedicate towards my other stats or... Because or, that was the one thing that they were like with, with the tech ability and the crafting ability. It's like, oh, we don't want to have you force you to take a tech 20 to get all the nice crafting stuff. So, so you can play the way you want to play. But... If you want to play to get in through certain doors or experience the whole game, even if you're doing, like, to your point, is a stealth run, you know, for stealth runs, you want to go through some of those doors that have that requirement. So now you're this bodybuilder, tech-savvy guy who's the only way you can get past any of these uh, gates, kind of, is to, to do that. Versus... I've noticed that they decreased the access points in which you can hack the access points down to intelligence of 10, which in the previous versions you needed, there were certain points where you needed a 14, a 16, or an 18, <coughs> and now they kind of reduced that but increased the requirements for body and tech for, for other areas, which I didn't like. 
Um, and the only other thing I, I didn't like about the changes, I mean, I loved the majority. I loved how they changed the perk system. I love how they changed the skill system. The vehicle uh, physics, love it. <laughs> you, you're not like flying off halfway across the map because you hit some person just right that your vehicle just like skyrocketed into the, the nether sphere. Yeah, vehicles have weight now. I yeah. like that. Uh, um, the only thing I don't That's one like of my it. problems, though, as a PC player. I uh, I always have only either no gas or all gas, so I still drive terribly, but it, it's my fault. I, I am notorious among my friends for being the worst driver they know in any game, and I have lost way too many horses <laughs> in Red Dead Redemption 2, same way. <laughs> uh, I mean, going back to the stealth thing, with the loss of being able to one-shot anything, even from stealth, basically the only way you can take down enemies uh, stealthily is to, you know, run up and grab them and break their necks or whatever. Um, they have... Uh, they did something sneaky, though, with stealth. Yeah. I just realized how that was put. I said it's sneaky with stealth. Um, a lot of people feel that, you know, aerial takedowns were removed. They were not. You can actually still land on top of people and take them out immediately. I can't remember the stat requirement, but you just have to hit the stat requirement to do it. You don't even need a perk now. Sure, but like uh, silenced weapons now, they don't do it. Uh, they do. You just need... So, uh. so I, I, my recent playthrough, I decided, okay, it's the first playthrough I was going to do, like, you know, full cool stealth character right and knife throwing you can there if you choose so one of the parts that you have to kind of do with that is a you got to donate a little bit to the tech tree so that way you can have different stats for your cyberware and when you generate a cyberware there is a bonus to stealth damage that cyberware will give you if you enhance that piece of cyberware so my character from cyberware i think i'm getting a bonus of like 50s or 60 percent bonus when it comes to stealth damage um and then there's other perks that you kind of you need to specifically dedicate towards specifically your your crouched and your hidden there are some perks that'll give you a bonus towards that now the problem is, of course, you have those uh, skull guys, right? So you have your normal villains or enemies. Yeah, the overpowered attack, enemies. And then the overpowered enemies. Those guys, I have yet to be able to one-shot. And like you say, I have to sneak behind them and basically break their neck if I want to do a one-shot on those guys. What I do to deal with them is... Genuinely due to the fact that I just saw something cool and wanted to use it more. Um, whenever I realized I could actually have uh, Geralt's blade, his sword, I was like, all right, we're going with that. Just because I wanted the idea of being, you know, running around with a broadsword instead of a katana. And until I realized I had it, I was using Arata, the thermal katana. And I was like, wait, that's a thing? And so 
I looked around in the reflex tree and I saw bullet deflect. And I'm like, all right, at least I can have a way to protect myself if I get stuck out in the open. And I realized using bullet deflect will work amazing against uh, high threat targets, which are the skull guys. And that has been my way to get around folks, especially HMG guys who just shred me. Because all you have to do is right click at the right time and you will deflect back. Uh, I don't use it, but I'm aware that with a San Deviston, um, if time is diluted in any way, you actually have a perk to where every single bullet will be deflected back at the enemy. Now, in my playthrough, I try to avoid getting stuck out in the open, but uh, there's definitely certain circumstances where no matter what, I'm dealing with a fight. Um, I will... I can't... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying, I can't bring myself to take the bullet deflection thing. It's just... It's it's too superhero for me, if that makes any sense. I just keep getting Jedi vibes. I'm not gonna lie. A broadsword well, I mean, bullet deflecting. I'm like, I kind of get some Jedi vibes here. I kind of dig it, the, but that's also personal kind of the preference. Same thing for me. Uh, it it just it, it becomes more more fantasy, less cyberpunk, less less. I don't know. I got some weird opinions about the game, uh, mostly because I'm a. I'm coming from the 2020 mindset and what I wanted doesn't necessarily vibe with what everybody else wanted. Now that's, you've heard me say a lot of negative things, but the truth is, is I love the fucking game. I'm, I'm still so very stoked that it exists. Uh, I just, I have my own preconceived notions about what I wanted it to be. And I'm still coming to terms with the fact that it's not that. And it was never supposed to be that. I understand that deeper than you know, uh, because with me, that happened with No Man's Sky's release. I was heavily burned by No Man's Sky. It's why I don't let myself get uh, too excited anymore about game releases. Like right now, I'm looking forward to Spider-Man 2, but instead of getting super excited, I'm going to wait till it comes out and play it myself and just ignore reviews, which I've learned is really the best way to experience stuff nowadays, especially where... There's so many reviews out there for video games. There's a lot of opinions. But the only person that can really determine if you are or are not going to enjoy a game is yourself. Like, I can point absolutely. back to a game that got absolutely terrible reviews and it was viewed as a failure. And this goes back to PlayStation 1. And it was called Future Cop LAPD. I loved that game. I adored that game. Everybody hated it. I loved it. And that was me coming off of the Strike series back whenever you would have, like, I think it was Super Nintendo, whenever it was those chopper games, you know, like Jungle Strike, Nuclear Strike. And that was actually a Strike game. I had no clue. Yeah. And I, one, did not even realize it was a cyberpunk game until recently when I made the connection myself. And I realized this whole time I had been such a fan of cyberpunk since I was a little kid. And never yeah. knew the things I liked were cyberpunk until recently. And that was one of those cases. Like, And also, I'm a big MOBA fan. Never knew I was playing the first MOBA back then, too. But if I would have <laughs> went off of reviews, I would have never played that game. Well, I think that's, Yeah, and there's a lot of that. That's what happened with 2077 is because of such a poor performance when it came to, you know, the older consoles and... and the outcry uh, of people people were like yeah i'm not playing this game and then two years later you know when it was on sale they played it and like what the hell man this game is fucking awesome 
Um, I've seen that yeah. happen to other titles before, too. I, I still think most of that outrage with Cyberpunk 2077's launch was... I can't speak for Xbox, but I know, I, I believe for PlayStation, a lot of that was just manufactured, just people bitching to bitch. Uh, I played it from launch. Um, sure, there were some crashes, but there were no more bugs or, or crashes than I would see with any game from Bethesda. Uh, yeah, that's the exact reference I used back whenever people were asking me about it. I'm like, you ever played a Bethesda game? It's actually less buggy than that on release. And people never believed yeah. me because of a lot of things that was said about the release. But as I said, I was not, I do not run the game on the best specs. Like, if I told you my PC specs, you wouldn't believe me, but that's just because whenever I'm making a video, I crank things up temporarily to try to make them look as good as possible. But if you go sure. back to, like, my first shorts of 2077, it's on the true settings I have, which I have a very poor 1070. It's barely hanging on. I had it at release, and even with a 1070 and way below recommended settings, I had <clears throat> good frame rate. I only had just the issue of Judy's eyes. And my gameplay experience was not stopped by any major bugs. And I consider myself lucky as a player of it. But it it's I do know the console experience was different. Yep. I mean, like I said, I played it on PS4. I uh I had never I have never experienced anything that I would consider game breaking with 2077 until this game save corruption on uh, Phantom Liberty. Uh, I, I brought a game save corruption upon myself uh, because of modding. It, uh, oh, and yeah, then you lose a 120 hour playthrough. I, I still regret that, but it's, that's not anything the devs have done. That was something I did to myself. I usually the problems I ever had was due to my own making with modding. Modding's not a very, smooth process with any game because i've modded skyrim i've modded no man's sky i've now modded 2077 and yeah i tend to break things more than i should but when it's back down to the core game even at release i had zero complaints if anything i was relieved to see a game that could actually translate as well as it did a tabletop experience and yeah for years we still didn't have another game do that i mean i i through mods, I I killed my Fallout Four and my uh, my Conan games just building. I, I, I built too, too big, too too vast. I wish Fallout Four had grabbed me harder than it did, but I think it was because I was expecting Fallout Three, uh, you know, just better. And I I was a little bit let down with Fallout Four. I, I really you was, know, and I never got to play New Vegas, and I, I that's a sin. I'm aware. I actually it, own it, it, but I've never played it. I know. I'll get it, to it. I'll get to in it. Fallout 3, it's, it's, in my eyes, it was probably the best Fallout game ever. I, I have um, it, like, on the list. It's, it's sitting on, it's sitting on my epic launcher right next to Death Stranding that I still want to play. The only reason I played Fallout 4 is as, as big as I did is because I could build, and I, I really liked building. It I was like, Lego for adults, and, Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I flew too close to the sun, and my uh, my game did not did not appreciate that. Now I can't load it up without it immediately crashing. Tomorrow it'll be back, hopefully. I expect it will because 
if there's one thing CDPR does is they will do whatever they can to stand by what they say. And what we have now with 2.0 is a pure example of that. They didn't give up at all. Yeah, no, I, I, I have very high hopes that they'll have fixed this. And by this time tomorrow night, I will have, have played the hell out of the game. Uh, and it's only been a week since it's released, so they've been on top of it. I'm not, I'm not really complaining. It feels like it's been longer, but yeah, they, they definitely work their tails off to give players as good of experience they can. And as with any game launcher in this case, like I'll even say it's a relaunch, if there's always going to be those little troubles, but they're on it. And they want to make sure that they can make it as good as they can. And I love them for that. It's it's the same thing I saw with Hello Games. They just wanted to make sure they made good on everything. And you got to yeah. love them for that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think for me, with Phantom Liberty, I did, like, the first couple of days, I had quite a few crashes happen. Um, mainly because I was play, trying to play on a previous saved game. Uh, with one of my level 50s. So I think that probably was contributing to some of the, those crashes. And like to your point, Derek, was which was I exploited some of the glitches, right, uh, that allowed you to kind of have too many items of a specific thing. Uh, I had, I've got so much food. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just food. It was like, you know, okay, I want to have, you know, Skippy uh, replicated because I want to keep one and give uh, one to uh, Regina, right? Because being a completionist. Um, yeah, got to have that thing on my wall. But I want I regret, that. I, want I regret that. not knowing Regina was the owner of Skippy until this year. After all I played through, never delivered Skippy to her because I did not like using Skippy. I mean, I don't like using Skippy uh, per se, but I like having him on my wall. Yeah, I like him um, having on my wall. Going into the weapon room, I'm hearing, bad user, bad you user. Know, yeah, okay. See, right now I want to say a spoiler that will really shock all of y'all, but I don't want to because I want you to find it yourselves. Which is, is in the base game or is it Phantom Liberty? It's in Phantom Liberty. That's why I, I don't want to say it, but yeah. Uh, I can't wait for people to really find that. It's yeah. something I came across myself. So my Phantom Liberty uh, playthrough um, kind of has been limited because I just haven't had the time. So I kind of ground through the main story um, just to see, does it, just experience that. And does it have to do with that it. first weapons vendor in Dogtown? No, actually. Okay. Yeah. By the way, he's awesome. Uh, Harold's awesome. But now well, I have a lot of comments of people going, you can just buy it in Dogtown. And I'm like, that's if you miss it. And it's super expensive. Don't do that. Just get it now. I um, Now, this is, this is tied to one of the endings, which is the reason why I will not utter it, especially this soon. Got it. But okay. I'm, I'm personally on, tonight after this, I intend to complete my fourth going through of an ending. I was going to do it last night, but I was, I was, I was too tired. So uh, tonight's when I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the ending that I want. Yes. So I played through the ending I kind of wanted, just because of the story. I sympathized with one of the characters closely, and I wanted to see that through, even though I knew 
it was gonna fuck <laughs> fuck be over um in the end and and that's one of the great things about the cyberpunk game because I, I from a from a tabletop experience even the first playthrough the paranoia that i had especially when it came to the perez uh mission right when one of the best missions yeah. in the game when you get hacked and and the person's like i'm watching you and all that other shit i'm like oh fuck i call all my allies because as a player and as a referee for cyberpunk the first thing i would do when when players would go against a really evil megacorp that's lying in the shadows i would call in all the backup well i burn their the places that they can hide right and that's their their allies their friends their places of business you know um, and I remember just frantically calling like every everybody on my my phone list to be like, "Hey, you okay?" And it's like, "Oh, nothing's changed." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay, I guess the developers because we're talking aren't about as paranoid as me." Because we're talking about the Perales, um, I'm gonna DM you a question. Yes, I'm gonna go behind the listeners' backs. Oh, terrible me! I'm gonna DM mm-hmm. you a question, and there'll be a second question after that. Don't say it. But just say yes or no to both questions, and I'm going to let you know something that will blow your mind if you are where I thought you were. No, do, I, uh, do I need to answer this? Because I've only yeah, I know that's I've only been uh, in the game. I'm not going to do it to you. I'm not going to okay. do it to you. But it's just about what he said. All right, so so answer that one. This is my own little fun. Forgive me. I, I love, like, it. finding little things is the most fun to me in any game. I mean, there I can't go. disagree with you there. I, I've read every single one of those freaking shards. Huh. And every single uh-huh. time I find one that, allu- that uh, gives any information from the original tabletop game... I, I giggle inside when I see something that expands on a story presented in in 2077. I giggle inside. I'm like, oh, I love that kind of and shit. We, More is my, we my now joke. have things from 45 now popping up in yeah, 2077. Yeah. Like I, I found Phantom that at Runners. the very beginning of uh, Phantom Liberty, and it, it's not even really a, a spoiler, but it's at the beginning, and I'm not gonna pull it for anyone who hasn't played it when i found that one shard and i was like god that's actually a pretty badass term for 2045 yeah and that's that's a shard that you get earlier early in the the game experience uh-huh like left or right if you go right you find it yep and it's just cool like that's that's all i'll say and that's <laughs> as close as i want to get to discussing it because that that will catch folks oh but yeah when you find that i was like wow that's badass <clears throat> and and not to be spoiling anything, but um, yeah, the beginning of Phantom Liberty, when you really get into it, um, I'm just going to be meta in that the garage is a maze and that there is... Dude, the garage I, is oh crazy. God. You can get anywhere in that thing. Mm. If you, you can. see something, you can get to it. It may be difficult, but you can absolutely reach it. So there were cars in there I wanted to check out in there and I couldn't get to because I didn't have double jump. 
I was dumb. I didn't bring double jump with me to the start of the fucking so, expansion. Oh, I hate myself so for that. My advice: if you, you, you didn't have like the charge jump either. Yeah, you need no. Dash. I <laughs> you need dash ooh, and double. I, jump. I was not. I was not. I had already. Uh, I had already invested in Link's paws, and I, oh. I do regret that. I. Uh, I will say this too. Like this is like how much I would dig around to find secrets. I I had previously no clip to that entire area under the arena. And just seeing how massive of a thing they added to the game with that blew my mind. Because there was something there before, but it was nothing special and it only assisted in a previous scene. Like I, I love going through things like that. And believe it or not, underneath the arena used to be the areas where you would meet alt in cyberspace but it was without yeah, I the filter into that on accident once yeah, yeah. and it, it was kind of psycho going down there because you would see the floating rocks and it was just it was so cool but that was also in my hunt for anything around ff06b5 you people who were involved in that we tore the game apart looking for things that we could find yeah that's that's still a, a bit of a, a crazy mystery um and yeah, they, they found it through data mining, but they don't, you know, they have the start of it, they have the end of it, but they don't have how do you get there. Um, and just little tidbits this... throughout everywhere is just crazy. I mean, I, I was like, yeah, that puzzle's Before... a little too, too much for me. Before they locked down the subreddit for FFS6B5, there was a post, and this post shows how much even the community around that puzzle respects CDPR. Now, whenever they data mined it, they then worked backward and they did solve every step. But before they released that info, they just straight up messaged CDPR and like, hey, we did it this way. Do, do you want us to put <laughs> this out? And apparently CDPR just politely asked him like, you figured that out. We'll leave it up to you. And the people involved in the community go, you know what? We'll keep it a mystery. And they intentionally have not revealed the data mind process nice. all the way through. And that is something that I adore seeing in any community because it's the community even going to the devs saying, hey, can we? Or do you want us to respect this? And they go, do what you want. And the community goes, we're going to respect it like a handshake. And that's when you know a community truly loves what a dev team has put out. Yep. I just want to know if it's something like, I, I mean, I don't want to know the steps. I just want to know, is it something like, duh, it was so freaking obvious we, we overthinked it. Or is it, you know, is it as complex as we've made it out to be, right? The complexity. I, I have seen many steps before things were removed. I have even seen the solution. I have seen what happens at the end. And I'm going to say this right now. I won't even tell you that. I'm going to let you figure that out yourself. But is it is it something like, yeah, that it's pretty obvious, you know, if you did go through here and there and did this. No, I won't spoil it. Uh-uh. I'm not even going to say that. You're not even going to say if it's <laughs> if it's easy. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I'm not. Nope. That would ruin the mystery for you. Uh -uh. Damn it. 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just like them. I, I will protect it just because it, the journey is what matters in it the most. And it's, it's worth it. I don't know if I have the time for that. Well, then again, I've done seven playthroughs and haven't figured it out yet either. So, I mean, if there's one thing you can guarantee is that eventually it will be released when at a, at a point when uh, the newness is worn off, the we know we're not going to get any more support. Uh, at some point, it will the secret will be revealed. Yeah. That much I can guarantee. You'll like it. That's all I will give you. You'll like it. Um, so and that's me speaking not as someone from Artal. That's just me as a player who really loves this game. Because me working out for Artal is, you know, just a week old now. I've been a lover of this game for three years. And what made me love the game is just face value. People would assume it's just a quick first-person shooter. But if people slowed down and took their time, they would see just the immense amount of love that went in 2077. It's, I, mean, I feel so much gets skipped because people are in a rush. Yeah. From a, from a dialogue standpoint alone, it, it's just fucking enormous. Um, I got a friend who all he did was run through the main game. And I'm like, dude, you missed the entire game. The, the main storyline is not where the game lies. Yeah. It's yeah, everything. there's like, there's like secrets that I still only have found in the past couple months from the base game. Like yeah. I, there's stuff that I would do, and have no clue would have this outcome because I just kept doing things a specific way. Like for example, didn't know I get a free car if I told Pan Am to not go and take down Nash. Had no clue. I did it and I was like, oh, and does it affect the storyline? Nope. And then I found that, you know, if you happen to send Jackie to Vic. Uh, that ending hurts. That, that ending hurts. really hurts. Yeah. I initially that, thought it was only was... with the secret ending, but no, it's almost every ending. And even when I sent him to Vic's, I never saw it. So there has to be more triggers, and I don't know them. But it's just like there's so many little things. Yeah, my first playthrough, I sent Jackie to Vic. Because I was like... I did too. Di- I he's did fucking too. dying. This Ripper Doc, man. You got to send him yeah, to Yeah, you send him to a Ripper Doc because he's dying. Exactly. That was my exact process. I'm like, get him to Vic. He's a Ripper. Take care of him. I didn't know Vic didn't have the balls to stand up <laughs> to uh, Arisaka. I just was of the opinion that, well, he's fucking dead. Well, if. Uh, so it wasn't uh, until my third playthrough that I sent him through because uh, my third playthrough is. is a street kid and she just doesn't give a fuck she's zero empathy well i my first playthrough was definitely a unique one because it was it was back before i knew anything about the outside world of cyberpunk i just knew what was encapsulated in the game i started corpo and with the way corpo set things up with jackie it actually felt like i had known him for years whereas some people may feel otherwise that other you know with street kid you just meet him but for me, I was like, I've known this guy forever. He's done work for me. He's apparently trustworthy enough that I'll give him this job that I trust no one else with. And 
it sets you up as falling down to your lowest of low and then you build yourself back up. And then I get to the ending and I go with what I felt was the most rational choice. I went with the people who made the relic and went straight into the devil ending, the absolute worst ending I could get. It is the worst. Oh, Lord. The the scene with the Rubik's Cube and the repetitiveness, you feel like nothing more than a cog. You feel like you were just a piece of – you're an experiment when you it get there. Is, it is the best interactive display of you're completely hopeless and – oh, you – I've never seen it done that well in a game before where you Here's the lose kicker. all hope. Here's the kicker. I hadn't saved Takamura because I didn't know he could do it yet. And knowing he pops up in that ending is tragic. I wish I would have known it back then. But whenever I got the offer to be turned into an Ingram and shoved into Mikoshi, that's the thing. You are put in hell, in my opinion there. You are in yeah, quite essentially limbo. hell. You're in limbo. And you have the choice of just giving up or taking that little bit of hope back. I went back to Earth, and I felt that was the one thing I could do for myself that still at least gave a little bit of hope and comfort. The phone calls I got at the end, all those destroyed me. But (laughs) at least then I went back with my own choice. Like I was like, I'm accepting what's going to happen. I'm accepting I'm going to die. But I'm at least going to live my way and not just be afraid and alone, and I'll be around people I care about, which felt very right in the end and and the the phone calls you get if you just outright kill yourself those are the worst yes oh god let's not talk about that oh Oh, i did that ending once never again cdpr well here's the thing wrote wrote that whole all that dialogue amazingly well if you go with don't fear the reaper and you fail it's the same phone calls yep you know how many times I failed? Don't fear the Reaper. Yeah. Oh, it was not a good time. <clears throat> well, we got about so, okay. 10 minutes left, so let's. Uh... Oh, yeah. We'll keep rambling if you don't get me off of it here. Yeah, I know. I warned you. <laughs> All right. Uh, quick, uh, because we've only got 10 minutes left, just a quick uh, s- sidetrack. Uh, our Talsorian just released their uh, September DLC. Uh, it was written by a friend of the show, friend of a personally well, uh, host. host of the show, <laughs> Rob Mulligan of Cybernation Uncensored. Uh, he gives his own uh, GM advice. Uh, it is well worth a read. It is good stuff. Um, the GM report card out of that is really nice. It is. It is. I, I did something like that way back in the day, uh, where you know, as, as a group, we'd uh, basically lift each other up. Like this part of the game was, you did really great on, uh, and then the group would rate the GM and all that. So it's it's nice to see someone else using that idea. Uh, not that he, not that they're in any way connected just a very similar we did the same kind of thing uh absolutely people go read it go download it it's good stuff um and yeah found the GM, at, uh, 
It can be found at uh, artelsoriangames.com slash downloads. You'll find it there. Absolutely. That's There you go. Your first, uh, your first official recommendation there. Oh, trust me. I, I've got the quick fire when it comes to finding the stuff. I've, if there's things people need to find, I've got that heart. I need heart. Trust me. Excellent. Um, yeah. So, um, what do you see, or, or how do you see Cyberpunk kind of growing in, in, in the near future uh, as a tabletop game? Right now, with Phantom Liberty, people are getting through it. They're going to be getting through their playthroughs, and then they're going to get curious. And curiosity is always the best thing when it's time to help things grow. I think right now people are going to be looking for ways to learn. Every example they have to learn and get involved, they're going to flock to. And I think that's going to be the real real push that gets the game further out there. Because I I love staring at data. And everything is starting to slide that way. It's just starting. I think we're going to have a very interesting October just because of Phantom Liberty and the ripples it's going to leave. I think it's introducing Cyberpunk to a lot of new people. Even people who were not interested in 2077 before are going to hear about Phantom Liberty and finally take that jump. And I think that is going to just have that wonderful ripple effect that's going to affect all of us. I think we're going to see a lot of growth. Cool. Awesome. I hope so, too. Very good news. Especially from uh, us two grognars who've kind of been waiting many decades to to see the game really get the appreciation that it has been getting. Um, yeah, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, we just want the franchise to continue and uh, stay relevant. That's mm-hmm. regardless of our feelings about anything else. We just love the franchise. Yeah, I I will say this: I've been preparing for this for a year. Like, back whenever things started getting crazy, I was like, all right, this is not going to last in this much of an intense aspect. Things are going to calm down. So I want to make sure whenever stuff starts firing back up, I can at least introduce as many people as I can. And so that was my mindset a year ago. And that's when I went buck wild. I was doing five shorts a day. I was trying to make as many long videos as I could to at least have, I don't want to say a library, but it just... As many ways just to say, hey, this is how you do this. If you want more, there's smarter people out there than me. And yeah, hopefully it can reach many more folks. And even now, like I'm I'm planning stuff with the RTAL YouTube channel. I'm, I'm not gonna say when stuff's gonna start coming out, but I'm I'm working on a few things already just to try and get more people involved and get more people curious. Because no one can force you to play a game you don't want to, but if someone gets curious, it's going to eat at them. Yep. They're, they're going to want to see what it's really about. Most definitely. Um, yeah, so uh, I think we can kind of wrap up. Um, if you want to stick around after the show and chat with us, by all means, um, or if you need to take off, take off, but we're, we're just going to... I have... I have gorditas waiting for me. I may just go and eat. I apologize. No worries. Well, we Perfectly do appreciate we do appreciate your time with us. Um, we look forward to whatever uh, our Tosorian 
is producing and love to hear back from you. Um, maybe in a few months we can jump on the line and kind of maybe <clears throat> give us some insight into to what's planned out. Um, and also we're going to be hitting you up to trying to align because now that you're mm-hmm. the uh, media ambassador, we would definitely love to do some more interviews with James. Uh, Jay, I'm who you'll talk to. And, That's right. Uh, the big two, uh, Mike and Lisa, we would love to have on our show just to talk about like, you know, some of the characters. Cause I, I actually talked to Lisa during Gen Con and uh, she was, I was like, Oh, we'd love to have you and Mike, you, you know, Mike and you on our show. She's like, why would you want me? I'm like, you, you, you're the player <laughs> who created spider Murphy. You're the player who created all you're the, the mind behind the bozos. I mean, you contributed to this fantastic world that we call cyberpunk, you know, that we've come to love. So, um, definitely want to see you are the friendly voice that has kept mike grounded for years <laughs> that too <laughs> um so yeah so we're looking forward to uh talking to you in the future so everyone uh you can check dice aka um rob barefoot uh youtube is dice ttrg rpg ttrpg uh on youtube uh, and from what I understand, you're keeping that channel going. Uh, uh, I'm hobby. going to be at least getting things going there for, I'm taking at least like a week or two off. Right. But if people really want to support me, head over to the Artosaurian Games YouTube channel now. Oh. That's at least where I'm going to be putting out some interesting stuff in the future. So keep an eye there. I recommend it. Excellent. We recommend it as well. And, uh, <laughs> You are absolutely welcome to come back and join us anytime um, on or off the air. Uh, it has been very enjoyable talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, all right. Um, so, wrapping up the show, again, I'm, the, I'm CyberSmiley. I have a uh, little site called uh, CyberSmiley Data Fort at CyberSmiley.net. Uh, that's where you can find a bunch of different uh, web utilities to help improve your cyberpunk 2020 game as well as your cyberpunk red game uh i am on several of the various discords that are out there that are related to cyberpunk uh 2020 20 uh red as well as uh 2077 i have my own discord that you can join uh through my site i also hang and read some of the uh various reddits threads that are out there so uh that's how you can contact me. I'm not on Facebook, nor am I on Twitter. I do have Instagram, but I haven't checked it in years. Uh, but that was mainly for uh, Battletech. Wisdom? I am I am Wisdom000, uh, a.k.a. Derek Bernier. I run Data Fortress 2020. Um, you can find me on Facebook under... under uh, at both the Cyberpunk 2020 and Data Fortress 2020 Facebook groups. Uh, I lurk on Reddit up to various Cyberpunk uh, subreddits. And uh, I kind of lurk sometimes on Discord in and Smiley's channel, in the uh, Artalsorian channel, and the Cybernation and Uncensored channel. A couple of others, but it's mostly lurking. Um, please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, with your comments, suggestions, complaints. Um, we love hearing from you. 
and thank you all for listening. Yep. Also, thank you, Rob Mulligan, for uh, hosting us yet again uh, on uh, Absolutely. Cyber Nation Uncensored. Appreciate all his work. So, we'll and catch you one on. last thank you again to uh, Mr. Barefoot, aka uh, Dice. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, we'll see you guys in uh, two weeks. Is it two weeks? Uh, oh, two wait. Weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Okay. I hope it's two weeks. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, as for a topic, we'll see. yeah. As for a topic in the next episode, we're we're still working out uh, if we are going to be able to acquire a another wonderful interview. Um, I, I love how this year we've been hitting quite a few uh, people. We're we're continuing to find all the uh, old authors as well as some of the new uh, cyberpunk red people um, to come on our show. So. Hopefully we'll we'll either nail an interview or continue our uh, reviews of the old 2020 books and possibly, uh, hopefully, a, a new Cyberpunk Red supplement coming out anytime soon, which we would be looking forward <coughs> to. But... Don't look at me. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, we know. We, we tread hot coals and everything. Trust me. We, we've dealt with James and Jay and uh, how tightly they can be. So... Appreciate it. See you guys later. Have a good night, y'all.